American Road Trip Talk is coming up right after this message. You know his vision of America, but do you know his name? One of the most highly respected artists of America's Great Depression era, John Stuart Curry, defined the country's perceptions of the American Midwest. His painting, Tornado Over Kansas, is still one of the most iconic images in U.S. pop culture today. For the first time in a quarter century, Curry's masterworks will be exhibited under one roof. Visit the Muskegon Museum of Art in Michigan this summer to see John Stuart Curry, Weathering the Storm, an exhibition of life, art, and the American Midwest. To learn more, visit muskeganartmuseum.org forward slash Curry. The horizon is wide and the highway is calling. That means it's time for another episode of American Road Trip Talk. I'm your host, Gary Mance, with a welcome and an invitation to travel the byways and backroads of yesteryear, searching for America in every incomparable mile. Welcome once again, everyone, to American Road Trip Talk. Eric Ryder is back in the studio with us. He'll be our producer today. And this episode, we are going to visit Seaside Aquarium. It's one of the oldest aquariums on the West Coast. Founded in 1937, the aquarium is privately owned and the descendants of some of the founders still are active in its operation. We'll be visiting with general manager, Keith Chandler. He'll fill us in on the star attractions and many activities awaiting you at a legendary place in Oregon's oldest resort town. All of that when we come back right after this. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days. And I want to bring attention to a life-saving product called Alert Drops. Drowsy driving is one of the most catastrophic problems in America, and Alert Drops will stop it. What is Alert Drops? Alert Drops is a simple spray on the tongue made out of citric acid, sour lemon, and water. A simple spray on the tongue, nothing in your system, and you're naturally awake, naturally alert. Go to alertjobs.com. Very important. Go to alertjobs.com and stay safe. Seattle, Tacoma, Antwerp. That's right. We're streamed worldwide on our app and on the web at 1150kknw.com. Welcome back to American Road Trip Talk. American Road Magazine would like to thank the following. Ranker.com enjoytravellife.com and travelerspress.com for honoring us with excellent ratings on their recent lists of outstanding travel magazines. American Road was listed in the top 25 travel magazines in 2024. At number 11 by Ranker, listed by Travelers Press in the top 25 travel magazines 2024. At number 16, one of only three in that group that are dedicated to travel in the USA. And Enjoy Travel Life rated American Road as number one in the best specialty magazines for Travelers 2024 category. To say the least, we are grateful. And we are grateful to have the opportunity to talk with a gentleman named Keith Chandler. He is the general manager of Seaside Aquarium. He grew up in Seaside, Oregon and started working at the Seaside Aquarium in the summer of 1979. He really likes the job and he hasn't found a reason to leave yet. And he's learned a few things along the way. Welcome to American Road Trip Talk, Keith Chandler. Hello, how are you doing? We are doing just fine. 
And by the sounds of things, you and Seaside Aquarium are doing just great. Yes, uh, we're, we're still alive and kicking. How about giving us a brief overview, a history of the origins of Seaside Aquarium? Well, the aquarium, like, like you mentioned, uh, started in, in 1937. But before that, the, the building was built in 1924. So this will be our 100 uh, year anniversary of the, of the building. And it was built as a saltwater swimming pool. Uh, they were called natatoriums. They're very popular up and down the coast. A lot of a lot of towns had these uh, swimming pools. They'd pump in salt water and heat it so you could swim in warm salt water. It was before a lot of motels had swimming pools in the hotels, so everybody came to one area to to swim in the swimming pools. You know that is it's a. It must have been the brainchild of somebody who saw a space and knew just what to do with it. Or someone who went swimming out there in the ocean and thought, this is nuts. We got to heat it up. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, when so so what happened was there were two of these saltwater uh, swimming pools in Seaside. And when the Depression hit, um, one of them failed. And that's that was the one where the where the aquarium uh, uh, was established. And you're right, they saw an empty building there and had everything uh, they needed to uh, to turn it into an aquarium. And, you know, it's of, of all the small aquariums that were built back in that area, it's like the last small one still, still surviving. I understand that Seaside has a promenade where does the aquarium fit in and with what is it surrounded when people drive there? What are they going to find as they survey the scene? Uh, well, the aquarium is built right on the promenade. We're, we're at the end of second Avenue and uh, yeah, that's the, we're about four steps from the beach. It's, it's a really nice location. As far as uh, what there is around town, there's a, uh, a lot of family-oriented uh, businesses in town. Some of, some of the old uh, uh, arcade rides are still down on Broadway that were here back in that era. But I think the the aquarium's the oldest uh, the oldest business still remaining in, in the same location. So much to see in that area and a glorious place. I have not had the privilege, but I do intend, that's on my bucket list. I absolutely want to get to Seaside, Oregon, and of course, to the aquarium. Tell us about your own, let's make this personal here for a few moments, if you don't mind, Keith. Now, sure. you started working at Seaside Aquarium in the summer of 1979. And what did you learn over all these years? Tell us about <laughs> your involvement. How about a little of your background? And then what has kept you employed there for so long? Well, I, I, I grew up in Seaside and uh, I worked, you know, through high school in the restaurant in industry and, you know, got out of that and thought, the next job I'm going to have is going to be something I really enjoy. Not really sure what it is. Not that I hated the restaurant industry, but but I've always liked to go fishing, and this just seemed like a natural. When I when I came to work here, um, there are so many things you have to learn. It's it's a very unique uh, situation. There there are just it's just like any small business. 
There are thousands of things you don't realize until you start working there. Um, a lot of maintenance, dealing with salt water all the time, but going out and getting the fish, uh, things like that were, were, was what interested me to coming here. Um, and so after I started, I, after I started working here, I really enjoyed the job. But I think the thing I like the most about it is that when people come in to visit the aquarium, they just have a great time and they're laughing and having a having a blast. Little kids, you know, are just having a great time. Uh, the, the most popular thing, of course, is our harbor seals. They get to feed the seals, and that's that's the biggest joy of the aquarium. So you can sit out on the prom. I, I often go out there and sit out there, you know, not wearing any kind of uniform and just listen to the people. And for blocks, you just hear the kids saying how much fun they had. You know how nice it is to go to a job that may, you can make so many people happy. It's just, it's just a wonderful, wonderful feeling. It creates a great energy about the place, doesn't it? It does. It would, it would be a joy working in that sort of environment. The harbor seals themselves, a couple of things to note. First, in captivity, I understand that harbor seals can live past the age of 30. And then I'm curious to know how many you have. And I understand that each one has his or her own personality. Yes, they do. They're, they they all have their unique personality. They they all, the, the public gets to feed them. And they enjoy, the, the harbor seals really enjoy the interaction they have with the public. Um, when we were, we had to be shut down for COVID for several months and the, the, the seals kind of got a little depressed because they missed that interaction. They had interaction with, with staff, but you know, they get, they get tired of just us. So they, they missed, they missed seeing the kids laugh. I, I, I know it sounds kind of corny, but they, they miss seeing the kids have the fun too. So it's, it's something they enjoy doing. Right now, our oldest one is 28, uh, Greta. So, yeah, so we have we have 10 harbor seals. They've all been born here in captivity, and some of them are like fifth-generation captive-born. The thing that uh, I read, there's an article about Seaside Aquarium in the current issue of American Road magazine. They have, it seems like they developed their own, shall we call it, shtick in attracting food and attention there. And they weren't taught this, as I understand it, Keith. They developed this individually. They do. Um, we don't We don't train them. The staff doesn't train them to do their shtick. Uh, they, they come with it all on their own. The younger ones will watch the older ones, and sometimes they'll mimic what the older ones are doing until they come up with something that sets them apart. I mean, over the years, we've had some that have done some incredible things. One, one used to, her name was Fran. She used to sit there, and just stick her tongue out at people. And of course, the kids loved that. Then we had one, another one, her name was Bicey. She just sat in the background real politely and just like held up one flipper, like, hey, it's my turn, my turn. And yeah, it's, it's, uh, and, and we always seem to have one or two that are big splashers. Some people like that more than others. You know, they come out of there really soaking wet. Some people have a great time. The others yell back, which kind of encourages them to splash more. 
So yeah, they do develop a, a, a good relationship with our visitors. Is there some science behind understanding that? I mean, this is very adaptive behavior. I mean, in a way, it's like they're teaching themselves and perhaps by imitation to some degree, teaching each other how to attract food, attract attention. They get to show off. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and they they enjoy it. It's just, you know, kind of like when your dogs do tricks, they they enjoy doing them, you know, they my I've got a golden retriever that's will just bring me back a stick all day. And I didn't teach her to do that. She just enjoys doing it. In addition to the harbor seals, please tell us about more of your star attractions. Um, we have a wide variety of, of local sea life. Uh, the Probably the most popular is the giant Pacific octopus. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's something that, that uh, the public just really gets a kick out of. Um, they... The, we, we get our octopus mostly donated from local crab fishermen, a byproduct product of their, of the crab fishery. Um, the, the downside of octopus is their lifespan is only three years. That's not just in captivity. That's in the wild. They, they go three years, spawn and die. Kind of like a salmon goes three to four years and spawns and dies. So, so the octopus, you go to a facility and you think you're seeing the same octopus that you saw as a kid. That's not actually accurate. It just doesn't work that way. But they're, they're a fascinating, uh, fascinating creatures to have on display. And the, the people, people really get a kick out of seeing them. You surprised me, Keith, when you said that they live about three years in the wild. Is there much difference in, in captivity? Not really, not really. It's it's about the same, you know. As soon as soon as they they lay their eggs, they've got maybe six months after that before they die, and the the males the same thing. They they'll they'll drop a sperm sac and they don't have a lot of time after that. That's that's just the way they are. I wish it was different, but that's that's just the way they're created. That's Mother Nature. Yes. If someone were taking a tour inside. There, paint a picture for us, Keith. The various exhibits. What will people see there inside the building? Well, when you when you come in, the first thing you you have the option of going to the seals first or last or several times, however however many times you want. But when you go inside the aquarium, you know it was a, remember it was established in 1937, so it's it's not you don't expect to see a huge aquarium like you'll see in a lot of larger uh larger areas that are funded uh mostly by tax dollars we're privately owned we only we only rely on the the money that comes from our admissions so so it's not a huge aquarium but it's 84 years old and it's basically the same format as it was in 1937 we've upgraded some some of the displays inside uh, but you'll see a lot of local local uh, specimens, a lot of different kinds of rockfish, different kinds of perch, a lot of different kinds of sculpins, and of course the octopus. Uh, there's there's a lot of different kinds of crabs out here uh, that we have on display. And one of one of the popular things is our touch tank area, where we have a, a couple 
different tanks where you can interact with intertidal critters like sea stars, urchins, sea cucumbers. Um, so kids can get some hands on with experience with that. We have a, a staff person in there all the time to help monitor the touch tanks. So uh, little kids or big kids don't get a little too aggressive or excited, but also to answer any questions they may have about uh, the the critters in the touch tank or anything else about the aquarium. That's one of the things that I would really love because uh, for it to be that interactive, I think makes it extra special for the visitors. It, it is. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun and they, you know, we try to make sure people enjoy themselves when they're there and also maybe learn a thing or two, if that's possible, without, without beating facts into their heads, but it's there if they, if they want to inquire, uh, we've, we've developed a series of handouts that we call our discovery cards. I think we're up to like 25 or so different things that you would find out on the beach. Um, little things that, you know, we have visitors here that haven't been to the, to the Oregon coast before, you know, so they'll find sand dollars, they'll find little jellyfish that wash in all kinds of things that wash in. And we have a bunch of discover cards they can take so they can, they can learn beyond our walls if they want to. And as far as other activities go, what do you offer that interacts with the community? I w went to your website and it seemed like somebody was there helping to clean up the beach. Yes, uh, we do a thing the, the first Saturday of each month. We do a, a program that was started by a, a different group, a local lady named Ginny Didium. It's called Treasure the Beach, to where they do a, a beach cleanup the first Saturday. So we kind of have taken that over and it's run out of the aquarium. So any any time any group or anything that wants to clean up our beach first Saturday of each month, we do the cleanup. Or if you're in town and you want to clean it up without our beach cleanup, we always have the the bags and gloves and things that you might want to do. If, you know, and people really get a kick out of being able to help keep this beach clean. Um, as you know, it's it's a wonderful beach. And and they they the visitors really respect it and and get a kick out of keeping it that way. I can tell you from personal experience, Keith, that going to the beaches in Oregon is a testament to the environmental sensitivity of Oregonians. And I congratulate. Please congratulate everyone in Oregon for me. The, the coastline is pristine. It's really amazing to go there and see these clean beaches where tender, loving care is given to them. It really shows. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm glad you I'm glad you noticed it and appreciate it. And so when you come to Seaside, make sure to grab a bag when you stop by the aquarium. Good idea. I do want to bring up a story. It's a, a legendary story, true, but still of legendary status. And it's sad. It's sad. It's tragic in its way. And that is the story of Victor the Lobster. When I read that in the article, read about Victor the Lobster, 
and his fate, but then the way that he is honored even today. I tell you, it was hard not to get emotional, I'll put it that way, because there is a tragic dimension to what happened to Victor. Please tell our listeners that story. Oh, sure, sure. Uh, Victor um, was a a 28-pound lobster that arrived here at the aquarium in 1993, early 1993, a local Safeway store had come across him and they didn't want to see this thing just go into a boiling pot. So they got him, they got him here to the aquarium. And he was at that time, the aquarium was a little different inside that it is now. We had uh, two open tanks, one with an octopus in it and the other one with this, the, with lobsters in it. There's, there, there's this big lobster, it, we call it the, their floor pools, where the, the, the public could go in and look down over the top to see, to see these, the critters that were in there. Mm-hmm. So it was, a, it was a Sunday evening and this fellow came in uh, shortly before closing, was in there by himself, grabbed this 28 pound lobster and headed out the front door with him. Uh, the guy had been drinking a bit, and I, his plan was to, uh, I imagine, take Victor home to eat him. So I, I happened to be uh, working at the in in back behind the scenes, uh, cleaning some tanks or something, and the lady from the ticket booth came yelling at me that somebody had stole Victor. And you know, we kid around a lot, and I thought she was kidding, but she convinced me that it was real. Uh, so I took out out the back door and I happened to kind of grab, I was, I was a lot younger then. I could, I could move a little faster than I do now. And, uh, I, but I grabbed a baseball bat cause I, I was, I didn't know what I was going to, um, come up against. And I met this guy, he's got it, Victor tucked under one arm and he, he, I had this baseball bat. He saw the look on my face and all he did was drop Victor and took off. Well, I, I, Brought Victor back, you know, he was still alive. You know, I put him in a tank. I didn't even pay attention to this guy who had him. But this family who had been in the aquarium saw the whole altercation. They followed the guy and he just went out and sat down on the beach and basically passed out because he'd been drinking so much. And the police came and arrested him and all that. But I, I got Victor back to a tank. But unfortunately, when the guy dropped him, he he cracked his shell and did some internal damage and Victor died like four days later. Uh, this fellow was arrested for, um, theft too is all they could charge him. The DA was pretty upset. They couldn't charge him for cruelty to animals because you boil lobster live. They could only charge him for what he's worth per pound. So he was supposed to pay $800 and do like 18 months of probation. Um, we were, the money he paid us, we're turning over to the animal shelter because we really didn't want to make any money off of this thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he paid $250 and just kind of disappeared into the trap, into the cracks. Uh, heard he was later arrested on a couple t- counts of attempted murder, but I don't know where he is now. Uh, hopefully he's not in the, is a legislator or anything. We don't know. <laughs> Victor, the lobster, you know, All I can say, Keith, is that I'm sad, it's tragic, and yet there is an element of the absurd to a story like that, but it's all too true. Yeah, it was unfortunate it happened, but what we did is that area where that floor pool is, 
We filled it in, got rid of the floor pool, built the interpretive center where people can go and get a hands-on thing. And we have a staff person in there all the time to watch it to make sure nothing like that happens again. So it, it something good came out of it. And there is a, uh, there's an exhibit of Victor, right? Yes, uh, we, had, we had Victor taxidermied, so he's still there. He's still on display behind a glass case and a little thing telling the whole story. So he, 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 he's, he's, he's a pretty, pretty incredible lobster. It's the largest lobster I've seen. I, I don't think he's a world record. I believe that's somewhere in the 48-pound range. I just can't imagine how big those are. But mm-hmm. 28 pounds is pretty good. Usually the ones you see in a restaurant are maybe two pounds. So, yeah, he's, he's, he's a big, big crustacean. Thank you for sharing that story, Keith. You bet. If people want to go online, find out more, and plan their trip to Seaside Aquarium, where do they go? Uh, Seaside, uh, our, our website is Seaside Aquarium. It's, it's pretty simple. <laughs> and continued success to you, Keith, and to all the folks there. You're doing the public a great service, and you're offering a great place to visit in Seaside, Oregon. Thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. And thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning into American Road Trip Talk, along with Thomas and Becky Rep, co-founders of American Road Magazine. We remind you to visit our website, AmericanRoadMagazine.com, to preview the current issue. Until next time, dream well and drive safely on the American Road. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine with all your itinerary. We could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure.